Hello, welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with Rosie McLeod, Associate Director of Data and Learning at NPC. We speak about what measuring impact means for charities, some of the challenges posed to charities in doing it well, and what they can and should think about before they invest time and energy into measuring impact. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders, who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rosie McLeod speaking about measuring impact. I'm delighted to be joined by Rosie McLeod, Associate Director of Data and Learning at NPC. Rosie, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you, Sam. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So maybe if you can start by um, telling our listeners a little bit about your background and what's led you to do what you now do at NPC. Sure, thanks. Yeah, so my my background's in, in social research. Uh, so, so work um, to prof- do, do research, gather evidence to um, support uh, often government, government policy, um, inform policy, evaluate policy, and I specialise in, in qualitative methods, so the sort of open questions um, to understand issues better, for, for people to use their own words um, to describe the world as they see it, um, and incorporate that into uh, the kind of insight that um, uh, decision makers are using, uh, and hopefully make better decisions. So I came from that environment into uh, NPC, which is a, a charity and it's a think tank, and we're focused on uh, on the charity sector, uh, on helping the social sector make the biggest kind of positive difference it can to people's lives. Mm. Uh, we do that by innovating new ways of doing things, uh, influencing people's thinking, including policymakers, uh, and helping organisations to improve through guidance, through consultancy, through training. So I lead work on measurement and evaluation, uh, which I guess just means helping organisations to use data to learn and improve what they're doing. Really that entails sort of getting systematic ways of asking good questions uh, that help those charities to make decisions about how to use their resources and deliver in the best way that they can. And what was it before you joined NPC? We have you had you experienced charity work as a fundraiser or as a volunteer or, or anything like that? Did you have any kind of uh, experience working with charities? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. I, I've, I've always. Uh, volunteered in charities but also uh, my early early days were working um, in charity organizations on on refugee rights um, on asylum policy um, working with uh, refugees uh, in Bristol um, Somali women doing what we call sort of action research methods so kind of working within communities helping them say things as they saw them and um, and, and using that to sort of inform decisions about um, their services so I thought I came from from that charity sector work into government and then and then back again I missed it a lot. And so in terms of your your own interest in influencing policy you're, you're starting I suppose from the point of view of gathering the research gathering the stats to maybe influence policies whether that's historically been in government or or now in in charities 
Is it the same kind of methods that you're using? To some degree, yeah. And we've seen, uh, you know, in the past uh, probably 10, 20 years, you know, more uh, sort of social scientists and social researchers coming into the charity sector. You know, there's a lot more um, sort of systematic research and evaluation happening. There's a growing evidence base that, that people are using. And so those methods are the same. You know, that, that's, it's how to do good research and good evaluation. Uh, of course, uh, you know, large decision makers like government have got a lot more resources. Um, uh, and, you know, there's a massive variety in the charity sector in terms of the kinds of resources that organisations have got to devote to um, research and evaluation. And often it's much less about what they themselves and more about what they use or resist, whatever they can draw on, what data they can get from government, what um, evidence and studies that other people have conducted that they can make use of to inform what they do. Uh, that's a big part of it. It's often sort of not collect more data, but use data better. Uh, but the name of the game is being proportionate um, and understanding kind of what uh, what the charity needs and what they're able to, what their capacity is, um, what the questions they are, they, they really need to answer are, uh, and doing something which works for them. We're talking about measuring impact today, but I suppose maybe for the benefit of the audience, maybe we should define what does that mean and, and what does the uh, what does the term impact mean and is there a kind of a one-size-fits-all in how to go about measuring it so right what is impact I mean in ordinary speech what you and I might might say you know anyone on the street it's, it's the difference you're making um, and that's the sort of common sense use of the term you know charities looking for a positive impact they want to know that they're doing good not wasting their time not mm. doing harm uh, and we all use that word in that kind of common sense way often it's quite it's used quite loosely in the charity sector to describe achievement and an organization might have an impact report but what goes in that impact report is quite often more about what they've done you know these we did these activities we reached this many people that's a form of being accountable but it's not really showing what difference those activities made mm-hmm. um and often when you talk about impact they're talking about outcomes you know so short-term immediate gains made by people um that sort of show whether they're making progress towards a bigger goal uh, so say, you know, if a service is trying to improve um, employment, you know, there are knowledge, skills, motivation, access to jobs. Those are sort of outcomes which are linked to getting and keeping a job that are closer to a charity's control mm-hmm. than the ultimate goal of does that person get sustained employment? Uh, so, but impact really, it has a, a narrower technical meaning, right? So, you know, charities are rarely describing impact in technical terms, which is actually more about sustained change over time, the long-term difference of services. Uh, so for us, that means you know, three things. It's, it's positive, meaningful, and important. It's sustained, and it's achieved by people themselves. So did that service have the lasting effect on the people it was hoping to or not, which is a kind of yes or no question. And most of us can't measure that, but we certainly, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about it. Is there any kind of sense of how long a period charities should or do measure that kind of um, that level of impact? Is there any kind of um, kind of standard along those lines? It, 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 really, it, it really completely depends. And the, the truth is that most of us can't measure that kind of impact. You know, it, it doesn't mean that we don't care, but uh, you know, th- there's, no, there's no one size fits all. You know, charities have got quite difficult choices about where to invest their resources. And 
what they should do in terms of um, how they approach uh, evaluation. Mm. It depends on what they already know about what works uh, and what they need to find out. So what questions they're asking and how they're going to use those findings and what resources they've got to spend on measurement. Um, you know, there's such a, a variety uh, of, of sort of, of capacity um, and, and sort of different situations that um, meeting their needs and their working to their capability is the key. Uh, and, and a lot of charity services are actually, you know, they're, they're well-established approaches within the sector. They can draw on existing evidence and knowledge about what works uh, and if certain approaches are effective for a group of people. So they shouldn't be sort of duplicating others' findings and reinventing the wheel. This idea that we all need to kind of prove and reprove impact all the time is really unhelpful. Uh, we'd say charities may occasionally need to collect outcomes data to test and understand if approach is working sort of in that context for that group. Um, but there are real challenges and costs involved in collecting outcomes data and impact data is even harder. Uh, so we'd always ask whether organizations need to collect that kind of data, you know, for smaller individual organizations, especially for light touch interventions, then outcomes and impact data should be, you know, the exception, not the norm, because it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of technical expertise to do it properly. And when there's a formal evaluation, it's often more trying to assess an organization's contribution. You know, it's quite rare that you'd have a full impact evaluation, that that would be feasible or appropriate that's trying to attribute change to that charity, to that program. That's not to say, like, measurement and evaluation aren't needed at all. I mean, I, this is a really, really important thing for um, organizations to know whether they're doing the best that they can. Um, but just more commonly, we're not trying to demonstrate impact directly. Instead, we're looking at other kinds of data to check that we're on track, what needs to be tweaked, what needs to improve. So I guess in terms of the question you're asking, you know, rather than the question of, did this project have an impact? What has changed for people? Instead, a more useful question is often, are we delivering this in the right way to the right people uh, based on what we know about this approach? Because if this approach is delivered properly in the right context, we can expect it to have the intended effect. But if it's not delivered in a quality way, or it's delivered to the wrong people, it could actually be doing harm. And I, I suppose that that expertise, that knowledge needs to come from the charities themselves. There's not a um, kind of an arbiter or a uh, soothsayer out there that they can go and talk to, but they might be able to have guidance from other kind of bodies to soul search, for want of a better term, to, to try and come up with those answers. Is that right? Yeah, they can, you know, within within sectors that mental health or, um, you know, uh, employment, they can, the, there's sort of evidence within that sector that they can be drawing on, you know, what, what's been shown to work elsewhere. Uh, and they'll, they'll be building on that. Uh, and that helps to, you know, so, so what they, what they already know about tends to be effective is combined with sort of what, what they still need um, to, to ch check that they're, um, they're, they're doing the right thing and to make sure that, what they've known to work in the past is still appropriate because you know people's needs change the people who are using their services might change um, and they need to keep abreast with that to make sure that what they're doing is is still relevant to what extent do charities measure and communicate their impact depending on the audience does that audience they're seeing to communicate with define for charity how they measure their impact i'd say i hope not 
Uh, and I don't, I don't think it does. I mean, there's an increasing understanding among a lot of charities and funders that, you know, data collection, that evaluation are really useful for learning and improving. You know, it's, it's not about or only about demonstrating and, and, and not about proving. Um, uh, and in surveys of charities, we found that you know, often sort of the most common reasons uh, for doing or increasing their impact measurement is funder requirements, right? So it, it is to some degree funder driven, but they've then found that it's been really valuable to their organization. They find that it is helping them learn and improve. So they start seeing like the intrinsic value of it. Um, you know, that said, charities definitely are pressured to respond to what their audiences are asking for, you know, in terms of showing what they achieve. Uh, so impact reports are going to be used by fundraising teams to make the case for the work they do. They're likely to be geared to their audiences and the kinds of sort of evidence that speak to that group. You know, so you see a lot of quotes, stories, case studies of impact alongside numbers on reach and glossy sort of more public facing impact reports that have got a popular appeal. And also commissioners and funders are often quite specific about the outcomes they want to see measured. So, you know, there'll be expectations about what's possible for them to do. And charities are increasingly expected to demonstrate what their work achieves. There's been this sort of increasing focus in the past sort of 10, 15 years on impact uh, and on outcomes, which has been really useful in getting funders and charities more focused on effectiveness and trying to understand that, you know, does this, does this work? Kind of not just are we the um, trying the right stuff, but how's it going? Uh, but there is a double-edged sword there because it's led to some unrealistic expectations sometimes about what's feasible or useful for charities to try to demonstrate uh, and it needs to be done properly for it to be useful it's better to only do uh, an outcomes assessment occasionally with good sampling getting good response rates making sure that lots of people are responding making sure that you've got valid questions you know rather than rushing around collecting a lot of data that's poor quality because that that's really wasting everyone's time but I'm not don't mean to be doom and gloom. I mean, charities are in a they're in a stronger position when they've got, uh, as we talked about with, with the, the idea of theory of change, when they've got a coherent rationale and approach to their own evaluation that they can share with anyone. Right. So, you know, we we recommend that charities use a theory of change um, you know, for their organization so that they've got their own framework for, for explaining what they want to understand how they think it works and collecting their own um, measurement and evaluation data. Um, so they've got this logical rationale for how their approach is intended to work and lead to these specific outcomes. And they can show that they use measurement and evaluation to, to support their learning against that and their accountability against that. So they're making their own case for themselves and they can use that with multiple audiences and funders. They're on the front foot. Is it kind of finding a balance between those two things, the stuff specific for your charity and cause and identity, and also adding in some of the recognised information out there? Well, yeah, there is, there is a balance to be struck. And you need an authentic, you know, relationship with the community that you're working with to understand what matters to them, what impact means to them, you know, what's, what that context says about what you should be doing. Uh, but... What I'm saying about uh, the, the increasing evidence base in the charity sector is that we really, we really benefit from um, more standardized data, um, you know, more consistent ways of doing things. Uh, so we're not comparing apples and pears. And mm. actually, everyone isn't that unique. You know, they're working on similar issues. And if we can um, standardize the measures to be used and get funders, crucially funders, sort of, stand, um, you know, being consistent in uh, what they ask for. 
Mm. Uh, it's just, you know, they have a big role to play uh, in supporting this creation of a, of a sh shared evidence base by uh, using the same terms where they can and uh, generating evidence which um, can be brought together and is more than the sum of its parts because uh, that's how we really build a common understanding of, of what works um, and, and what we can be trying and understanding the issues better. And I guess also in the past we've spoken about and I'm a fundraiser, I guess. I'm a jack of all trades, really, Rosie, but fundraising is kind of one of those main trades. And, and I, I suppose in that kind of environment, we talk a lot about uh, moving pe people with emotion and then, I suppose, backing that up. If we, if we move someone to donate based on emotion, based on the, the advert they've seen or the communication they've received from us, um, and then, but then at the same time, we need to back that up with, with data, ultimately, I suppose. And, and is that, are there kind of two bits of the puzzle here? So we're talking about measuring impact, but there's, all, there's also space and necessity, do you think, for being able to tell the story as well, the kind of qualitative part of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we sort of think in terms of stories and numbers, you know, the story is sort of almost the main unit of understanding people have got you know they sort of understand things through a story remember things through a story make sense of the world through a story we all need that uh we need and, and that tells you sort of why something's happening what it means uh why it's important um uh, in 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 real lives but then the sort of the numbers tell you to what extent you know how mm. much uh and they they help to back that up and give give us um a way of um, of, of measuring that better but you absolutely need the two I mean that's um it's a sort of real uh sort of rule in in like good research and evaluation you know mixed methodologies uh are generally a really good way to go so by that I mean the sort of qualitative data alongside quant gives you the best the sort of closest um you can get to to reality the truest picture How do you see charities measuring their impact and, and uh, kind of how that's going to change in the future? We talked about standardised data, how I think, you know, that will help charities to do more with their and others' data. Um, but, you know, this, this isn't just about delivery charities generating data. They've got a lot to do already. You know, when I think about the, the, the direction we need to be going in, in terms of sort of building an evidence base and, and understanding uh, what works, you know, government and big infrastructure organisations have got a big role to play. So they've got a lot of data and the more we can make use of that to help charities make sense of what they're doing, the better off we are. Um, so, you know, we've done work on a justice data lab. Uh, we want to see more sort of employment health data labs. That's where we get, we're opening up government data uh, and using that to create a comparison point for charities so they can look at what they've achieved with their um, with their users uh, and compare that to a comparison um, of, of other people like for like. We did it, what's it like if you deliver the service versus if you don't receive this service? And that gives you a really good measure of impact. But you could, they can get that for free. That's not them having to create a massive trial and counterfactual. There's already this data and, and we need better use of it. So that, that's kind of one thing that's important. And, and also you see that happening in the charity sector too with um, with, with funders sort of looking at how they can collaborate to get more common ways of um, 
generating data that others can use. So the DEI data group um, of funders have been uh, collaborating on common ways to collect equalities data so that they can build a better picture of who funding is going to, how that funding is being distributed to different groups, whether that's being done fairly or some groups are missing out, being discriminated against. It's really interesting stuff where people collaborate on data and evidence. Uh, but also, you know, there are, there are broader, broader trends as well. We're talking and thinking more in terms of systemic issues and systemic problems and trying to be part of changing dysfunctional systems to get real improvements in people's lives, right? But, you know, how we measure change and organizations' contributions need to keep pace with that. Uh, being able to assess and understand systemic change is really, really valuable. And that takes the emphasis off an organization-centric approach to impact. This kind of fallacy and pressure to say it was us alone <laughs> who did this mm -hmm. thing, um, which is not the most useful way of understanding how change happens you know, or how things work. Uh, so, so I think you know, that, um, that's important, thinking more systemically and organizations being more interested in contribution um, than, than attribution. Uh, and then finally, we're seeing more developmental approaches. So rather than a rigid focus on the sort of summative end of program results, more developmental stuff using data to iterate, develop and refine approaches that are more agile and can respond to a changing environment better. Uh, and we saw that during COVID, there was a lot of disruption to lots of longer run programs mm. and their evaluations. And people had to shift to asking, okay, what's happening here? What's changed? How do we need to respond? What do we need to do next? Uh, those are really useful questions to get better at using data to help with, and some of that will stick. And is there a, I, I guess, in terms of capturing data, and I suppose we're talking about um, the activities of the charity, but also the people they're working with and the partners they're working with, That there's a whole diverse kind of group of people involved in any charity, aren't there? Do you think that that's likely to get easier for charities? I mean, there's the word data, I suppose, now conjures up all sorts of images around data protection and um, data capture and some of the stuff you see in the news around, you know, the big organizations that are kind of using our data and the, the concerns about the future of how that data is being used. And are we giving over our rights to data too easily? I suppose for charities, does that pose an opportunity in terms of um, the technology making it easier to uh, capture data and, and manage data and um, analyze data, do you think? Yeah, I mean, as charities are moving into the digital world uh, with their data, then they're sort of more uh, automatically generating more quantitative and qualitative data. And if they can make sense of that and organize it properly, then you know, that can really help them to monitor and, and manage and refine their programs. And it really helps in terms of the timeliness and availability of that data. But there are different kinds of, um, of knowledge that they're always drawing on. And you know, data can be lots of different things. It's just a kind of form of information, you know? Sure. Um, uh, and you're combining it with lots of other kinds of forms of information and forms of knowledge to build that, that picture. So, you know, uh, when I'm talking about data, we're talking about feedback, you know, feedback data, we're talking about sort of engagement data, sort of user data, who are your users? Um, uh, what are they telling you about how things are going? So these are sort of forms of forms of connection. You know, mm. it's not some sort of distant thing or sort of objectifying people or far from them. It, it can be a way of connecting, but we need to make sure that we're using it to connect and that it's not taking us down the wrong route. We're not 
you know, it's, it's very easy to misinterpret data, um, you know, to not know, you know, draw the wrong conclusions from it. So you're always trying to sort of call it triangulate, you know, bring different bits of information together and see what it's adding up to. Rosie McLeod, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats. Thanks so much, Sam. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. big thank you to Rosie McLeod for sharing her time and expertise with us here on Charity Chat. When it comes to measuring our charity's impact, there is no one size fits all. What charities should do in terms of approaching evaluation is first look at what they already know about what works and then think about the gaps in their knowledge. This might sound simple, but a big challenge is balancing resource and capacity with the ambition of finding those answers, especially tough and expansive answers too. Working to your capability is key and whether you're looking for outcomes and impact data, there's a cost and you need to think about whether your organisation should be paying it, whether that's in time or in money. Rosie talked about the need to draw on existing knowledge and experience and not to duplicate the efforts of others in your space. Assessing your charity's contribution can also mean seeing and advertising your place in the chain of services to deliver for your beneficiaries. Charities also need to balance what they know and receive wisdom from how they've always done things with the evolving picture of their services and the impact of this. What worked 10 years ago might not work as well now. So there's, of course, a need to keep asking, measuring, learning and adjusting services. Being conversant with systemic change and a keener interest in contribution rather than attribution It's crucial for organisations wishing to remain relevant and useful for those that they are seeking to support. Rosie mentioned theory of change and how charities should have their own framework for explaining what they want to understand and measuring their work. This proactive approach could be more efficient and attractive to would-be funders as well as other key stakeholders. There is a good case for standardising some of the measures we use across the sector. We've spoken before from the perspective of funders seeking a uniform way of identifying and prioritising needs. From a charity's perspective, a clearer common understanding of certain issues and measures on specific areas could help to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of how we explain what we need to do and that need. We also touched on storytelling in this episode and how people make sense of the world through stories, understanding what is happening in real lives, the qualitative measures and the scope and the scale of the need through the quantitative measures. Like a lot of things in life, a mix of methodologies keeps things engaging and interesting for everyone. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good through their fundraising platform. They offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit, for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. 
That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.